0: The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani
1: Show. On Relevant Radio.
0: You know 53% of marriages end in divorce in New York State. So if I said to you there's a 53% chance that when you walk out the front door today you're gonna get hit in the head with a bowling ball, you would either stay inside or at a minimum you would wear a helmet. You know you, you buy a house, they make you fill out 50 forms explaining that you understand the lead paint disclosures, you understand the loan, you understand everything. You get married you did not get a pamphlet. You did not even get a piece of paper that says oh by the way you just did the most legally significant thing other than dying you'll ever do. The fact that you're entering into this significant legal contract, but most people have zero idea what's actually involved in that contract and spend a lot more time figuring out what kind of cake we should have at the event is a really strange thing to me. Take marriage seriously.
2: The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. I love that. That was uh, an advice or some advice, I should say, from a divorce. See if I can get my mouth to work. It was advice from a divorce lawyer, all right, in New York State. Has COVID affected my lips? I don't know. My tongue, maybe. Um, 53% of marriages. I mean, the number, you know, goes up and down, but fundamentally, it's kind of tragic when you see that number. One out of two on average, you know, marriages end up in divorce. Um, What I'm about to talk about, again, I'll put a quick disclaimer out if you're just joining me. This could be a sensitive topic, Um, so if there are little ears, eh, you might want to discern whether or not they should be listening, but I I, I do want to talk a little bit about divorce. I want to talk about the sex recession. I want to talk about a lot of other things that are coming up. The Pillar, who's been a great group, uh, they've done some uh, wonderful research and gathered some data I thought I'd share with you, and uh, we'll get you plugged into how you can learn more about them as well. Uh, so, look, we just got done talking about vasectomies, right, with the guys getting snipped, all the complaints we're hearing about the Texas abortion law. They're thinking, I got to do this. There are other people saying Elon Musk and others are saying we should depopulate. You know, if we don't do this, the planet is in trouble, right? Lots of reasons. And as I as I zoom back out again, I sit here and I'm thinking to myself, man, I go back to Sister Lucia de Santos, the great Fatima Seer. I go back to that conversation she had with Cardinal Carfara and where she said the final confrontation between Satan, right? It's going to be over marriage and family. And boy, do we see the bombs being lobbed. We see the sniper bullets flying, don't we? We see the landmine set. We see the traps looming. That's what we see right now. It's all over. There's a great deception when when we look at these things as if though they're good. It's, it's the hallmark of the evil one. He's a deceiver. And this is a great deception. So, you know, we, we, we see people justifying the actions. Texas law, you know, climate. Um, you would think that people right now are engaged in sexual activity more than ever before, right? Like, yeah, things are hot. And they're crazy. Yeah, we, we need to have these vasectomies. You know what's really weird? You know what's strange? A strange reality? They're not. They are not. In fact, we've entered into what some sociologists are calling a sex recession. So the rep- the pillar they reported last week. Um, they, they did a general, uh, the general social survey has uh, since uh, you know 1989 asked respondents about whether or not they've had sex within the last year. And and I, I saw this. I think it was over the weekend, or maybe I saw it last week. The the pillar was did a great piece on this, um, and. They were reporting that from 1989 to 1998, an average of 9% of adults. Okay, 18 to 35, 18 to 35 reported that they had not had sex within the last year. I, I mean, that, 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 that really stunned me personally, that demographic, 18 to 35 had not had sex within the last year. From 2014 to last year, that percentage has increased to 14%. And despite reports of pandemic fatigue, the rate of young adults who said in the 2021 survey that they had not had sex within the within a year has uh, nearly gone unchanged from previous surveys that were done in 2016 and 2018. So there are also some are saying that because you know there's so much porn right now, right? People just don't feel the need to to have to have sex with somebody else, and you know data uh, you know analysis is, is showing that that's you know it's not necessarily the case. I, I remember reading a report and I don't have it in front of me. This was a year or two ago about Japan. We're seeing the same thing in in their numbers, but' I, I'm, I'm looking here at the at the states in general. Uh, another reason why this might be happening. I was thinking about that, right? Uh, people say that they believe that premarital or extramarital sex um, is wrong, right? Maybe, and I don't know whether this is the case or not. Brendan Hodges, uh, Brendan Hodges, will be joining me in a minute. I want to get his take on this. I- is it possible that people are just leave- living out those beliefs? You know, I, I know a lot of people. Think, oh, that's not the case. No way, really. People, uh, you know, bl- they believe premarital and extramarital sex is wrong, so they're not having sex. I-, I hope that's the case. I do. I hope that's why we're seeing these numbers so low. Wouldn't it be great? If people really respected their human sexuality, the gift of their sexuality, what it was intended for, why God gave it to us. So back to the survey. The general survey showed that 32% say that sex before marriage is sometimes or always wrong. And that percentage, as you might imagine, has been decreasing over time. In 1990s, 47% believed that sex before marriage was at least sometimes wrong. But of those 32%, I'm going to give you a lot of numbers here and it can go over your head. 36% of them actually carried out that belief, while in the early 2000s, only 25% of them have done that. I know these; I'm probably drowning you in numbers, so I'll stop doing that. Let me bring on to the program uh, Brendan Hodge. Uh, he's a one of the great contributing editors of The Pillar, and uh, well, he, you know, he put this actually on my radar, so I thought we would talk about it. Brendan, thanks for your work again. It's good to have you. I know if people want to read what you do, you can go to PillarCatholic.com. That's the website, Pillar. Catholic.com. Thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks. It's great to be on with you, Drew.
2: So, you know, let's talk about why. Uh, why is this important for Catholics to know about? I mean, you, you wrote a whole analytical article about this for The Pillar. Um, so, you know, Some people say, oh, this is more tabloid stuff. But I, I think it's really important that we're addressing this. T- talk about why you decided to unpack this for people.
0: So this is an issue that I'd seen a number of articles about in the secular press. I mean, we know that places like Slate or The Atlantic like to run think pieces on the topic of sex because it kind of sells. And one of the things that people like to say, because this idea that we're all kind of addicted to our phones and our computers, and there's some truth to that, is that, well, this is part of the depersonalization of society. So people, like you described, they're, they're, they're looking at porn, they're having relationships online, and so they're just not having human relationships anymore. And the broad social data that was captured by the General Social Survey, as you described, is that the number of eighteen to thirty five year olds I mean people to you know think about the general culture and about what we see in movies people you would think about as being pretty sexually active the number of those people who say that they have not had sex within the last year uh, has increased significantly over the last couple decades um, but what i what I found when I dug into the data is that the general social survey does ask people about whether or not they view they have viewed porn within the last year. It asked some other questions about their beliefs, about morality, and about whether or not they're married. And the story seemed like it actually had a lot to do with how Christians are trying to live out their beliefs in the world. Because what I found is that actually, if you look at whether or not people have viewed porn, uh, people who are single who have viewed porn are actually significantly more likely to have had sex within the last year than people who have not viewed porn. Mm-hmm. So that's one distinction right there. Um, One sort of general society trend, which is driving the the so-called sex recession, is that a lot less people under 35 are married than in the past. And while to watch movies, you would think that the really exciting romantic life out there is for people who are single. um, If you think about it in practical terms, I think anyone who's married and probably a lot of single people could identify with this – you're going to have sex more frequently if you live with a partner, if you're married and you're living with that person than you are if you're out there on the dating scene, no matter how adventurous the dating scene is. But the other thing that really stuck out to me is when you look at the factors which define whether people are have had sex within the last year or not in this young single age group, uh, there's a pretty big difference between those who go to church regularly and those who don't, and those who say that they believe sex outside of marriage is wrong and those who don't. And that difference has actually been increasing over time. So if I think back to when I was in my teens and 20s, in the the 90s, um, there were a lot of people I knew who said that they believed that having sex before marriage was wrong, but who ended up falling into it anyway. And I think that has historically been a pretty common experience in the modern era, but it looks like to some extent people in that younger age group are living out their beliefs a bit more than they were in the past. And that, that could be kind of an encouraging sign.
2: Uh, it's incredibly inca- encouraging if that's indeed the case. Look, if you want to join us, I'm going to open the phones. Maybe you can share your own experience, what you learned, what you've gone through. Uh, if you've got a question or comment our number triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. I'll open the phones. As I said, I have Brendan, uh, Brendan Hodge only for a, a few minutes today. We don't have a whole lot of time to talk, but fascinating. Uh, r- report here, fascinating study. I, and I'm struck by the porn issue. You know, I, I had thought, and I, I was referring to Japan, a lot of people in Japan, um, the, the, the sex life there diminished pretty ra- rapidly. And I thought because pornography was on the increase, but you're finding that porn, those who view it, are actually having more sex than those people who are staying away from that, right? Is that is that what your data found?
0: That is what the data shows. And so when we look at people who are adults who are 18 to 35 years old who are single, um, one of those questions is, have they watched porno- pornography within the last year? Uh, and another question is, have they had sex within the last year? Hmm. So for those who have watched pornography within the last year, about 15% of them uh, have, had, uh, have not had sex within the last year. Whereas if you look at those who have not watched pornography, it's 30%. Uh, Now, I don't know if that's a direct causal thing, because it turns out that uh, the people who do not watch pornography are also more likely to be people who believe premarital sex is wrong and who go to church regularly. So these things kind of go together a bit. Uh, They correlate. Uh, so it's hard to know which one is causing it, but it certainly seems like if you're engaging in that kind of sex saturation, it's not helping you to to stay away from sexuality in a physical sense either.
2: Hey, the other finding I, I kind of makes sense too that the world, you know, promotes the single life is the best way to to live, but you know, who really gets to have more sex, married or single folks? You know, um, is actually married folks, and that would make sense to me. You know. Rather than than single folks, it seems it'd be kind of lonely. And um, you know, if you're in a marital relationship, if you're in a relationship, you know that act of self law of self giving is going to be, um, I, I guess, uh, exercised at a higher rate. If if that makes sense, uh, is is that what they found?
0: Yeah, that is what they found. So if you if you take a look, you can cut. Um, the data both by whether or not people are married and whether or not they are in a relationship. So there was a question about do are you in a romantic relationship which was separate from the marriage question. So the way, the way this breaks down is that among 18 to 35 year olds, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, the number who have not had any sex within the last year is only two percent. so very, very low. Among those who are not married, but they're in a long term relationship with someone that they share a house with, so they're cohabiting, uh, it's also moderately low. It's 5%. So only 5% have not had sex. If you look at the people who are never married and they are living alone or with family, but they are not living with a romantic partner, 31% of them have not had sex within the last year. So uh, it's a lot more common for people who are not living, are not cohabiting with either a spouse or some hmm. unmarried romantic partner to not be having sex. And I, I think, as you say, that just right. kind of makes sense.
2: So what, have, what impact did COVID have on, on all this? Is there COVID fatigue? You know, when COVID first took place, everybody thought there'd be this huge baby boom, right? When there's blackouts, when there's events like that, nine months later, there tends to be this big spike. We're not seeing that with COVID. What kind of impact has it had on, on relations uh, like this, on sex and on marriage?
0: So it, it actually appeared to have none uh, wow. the, the the rate of 18 to 35 year olds who were not having sex uh, was pretty much the same in 2016, 2018, uh, 20 and 2021, because normally they would do this in even numbered years, but they delayed the 2020 survey until 2021.
2: Hmm. Uh, on another note, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, divorce, divorce numbers are dropping. And I guess that's because fewer people are, are getting married and that's or more people are cohabitating, I'm assuming. I mean, marriage is really under attack today. Um, what did you find? What's behind that? Are people afraid of getting married? Why? Because they come from broken relationships already? Are they what is it about marriage that is just so unpalatable, unpalatable today?
0: So it's a really interesting question, and there was a great study out from the Institute for Family Studies just a couple weeks ago that looked at this. And it's one of these examples where society is looking for answers because it's experiencing a lot of pain, and yet because of their, sexual or their, their secular orientation, sorry, uh, right. secular approach to, to life, they're doing the opposite of what they ought to be doing. Because what the study showed was that when you look at couples getting married over the last few decades – they are getting married older and more and more of them are cohabiting before marriage. Wow. So wow. if you go back to the 1980s, it was about 40% of couples were cohabiting before marriage by the 90s. It broke 50%. Now we're seeing over 70% of couples are living together before they get married and they are getting married older. So couples back in the eighties were getting married in they're very early twenties, like 22, 23 was the average age of first marriage. That's now up to about 27. So couples are getting married later, and yet the data that they found was that uh, couples who do not cohabitate before they get married are actually less likely to get divorced than couples who have cohabitated. Yeah. And that when you look at these couples who are now getting married above the age of 25 and have cohabitated beforehand those guys are actually more likely to get divorced than people who get married in that 23, 25-year-old kind of age range that a lot of people were doing 20, 30 years ago. They would often get married shortly after college
2: age. That's yeah, so true. I, you see every generation now getting married later and later and later. Kids are coming along later and later, if at all. Yeah, one final note here. I'm just curious about churchgoers. We talked about all these different demographics. I was shocked by the 18 to 35-year-olds Having less sex, you know, um, but then I'm thinking, OK, well, you know, marriage, as you point out, you know, it's not taking place and goes back to that earlier point that if you're not married, you're going to have less sex as well. But what about church going attendance? I mean, there, there was this talk about the moral factor on, on all of this. Um, we're seeing an exodus from organized religion. I've talked to you about that in the past. You've done studies on the pews, you know, in the Catholic Church and, and what numbers look like. Um What's going on with, with church goers, and, and how does the exodus out of the church affect this number?
0: So it it ends up affecting both that rate of people having sex before marriage and also the divorce rate. So when you look at that general social survey data, uh, for people who do not go to church uh, weekly, uh, young people age 18 to 35 were single, um For those who are not going to church weekly, only about 15% of them are not having sex within the last year. When you look at those who are going to church on a weekly basis, it's about 50%. So pretty big difference between 15% and 50%. As as you point out, at the same time, the percent who are actually going to church is, is dropping. Yep. Now, I guess in one sense, you could say those who are still going to church are those who really care about it. So maybe you would expect to see that. But we we do seem to have a shift here where people are taking these things more seriously. And it spills over into the divorce statistics, too. So from that Institute of Families study, they found that for people who got married between 20 and 24, for those who are regular churchgoers, uh, the rate of divorce was about three and a half percent per year for getting divorced. For those who are not regular church churchgoers, uh, that rate was 5.5%. So 3.5% hmm. versus 5.5%, a pretty significant difference yeah. between those who are churchgoers and those who are not.
2: Well, hey, thank you for what you do. I, I always enjoy these conversations. I just find the data very telling and gives you a real sense of the trajectory of where, where we're heading and what's driving it. Religion and the Sex Recession is the article that you wrote in an analysis by Brendan Hodge. Uh, Brendan, best way to get a hold of that, if people want to read it or go through the data themselves or share it with somebody else?
0: Yeah, so that is all available on PillarCatholic.com. We are a Substack, so that means you can subscribe, and you'll get our weekly updates in your email box, or you can just go to PillarCatholic.com and read it right there.
2: I get it, and I get to check it out. I'm grateful for all that you do. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for for the hard work, and look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you. Great to be on. Uh, Great to have you there. Brendan Hodge there, and check it out. The article, again, Love and uh, Religion in the the Sex Recession, website, PillarCatholic.com, PillarCatholic.com, and maybe we'll put a link up to it for you there as well. You know, he talked about contraception, too. Just one final note here, and I do want to hit on this. Uh, A lot of people aren't getting married today. Those numbers are really diminishing, and you probably know it. I mean, how many people do I have... uh, calling me every week saying oh my gosh you know my my kids aren't getting married or you know they're just moving in they're living together uh, there's research that shows that cohabitation is correlated actually with unhappiness and even domestic violence and the data is something I'm gonna have to bring Brendan back on and maybe bring someone else to talk about Maggie and I were talking about this after the broadcast yesterday that you know cohabitating couples, Uh, if you're thinking about, I'm not going to get married, I don't want to go through it, it's a lifelong commitment, I want to take, you know, see how this works, see if we're compatible, Um, cohabiting couples report lower levels of satisfaction in in their relationship than married couples do. If you're married, you're happier. Uh, And women are more likely to be abused by a cohabitating boyfriend than a husband. And, And children are more likely to be abused by the by the mother's boyfriend than by her husband, even if the boyfriend is the biological father. So if a cohabitating couple, for example, ultimately marries, um, they actually, believe it or not, have a higher propensity to divorce. And, and, you know, some of the reports that I had seen, some of the commentaries on cohabitation, um, You know, they they talk about how the culture tries to downplay this, like living before marriage. Oh, you know, it's like like a test drive. You know, it's a trial period. It gives people a chance to discover whether they're compatible. You you wouldn't buy a car without taking it for a test drive, would you? Would you? Yeah. No, probably I wouldn't, but people aren't cars, (laughs) right? Very different thing. And, and, And here's the problem with that car analogy. The car doesn't have hurt feelings if the driver dumps it. Right, and dumps it back at the used car lot and decides not to buy it. So the analogy works great if you picture yourself as the driver. It stinks if you're the car, right? right who wants to be on that side of the equation? Y- yet this implication of the test drive metaphor, and I hear it all the time. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive you around the blocks a few times, you know, withholding judgment and commitment until I'm satisfied. You know, uh, I pay no attention to my indecision. You know, my periodic evaluations of your performance try to act as if though we're married so I can get a clear picture of whether you're going to be my spouse. How wacky and distorted is that mindset? And why would you enter into a relationship where the other person's doing that to you? Why would you do that? Why are you going to pretend to be married? There's a sacrament. The, the, the sacrament of matrimony, there's a grace with. Uh, and we talked about marriage and what the purpose of it is, you know, to be unitive and procreative in lifelong That's what we're missing here. Look, I got to take a break. I'm up against the clock. When when we come back, I'm just, look, quick cautionary tale there for you. If you're thinking about cohabitating or you're moving in or your other, your significant other wants you to do that, there are consequences. And I'm telling you what, you are getting the short end of that stick. You're getting the short end of the stick. So just a cautionary tale. You can say you heard it here first. Uh, When we come back, there's a new book out that we'll talk about as well. It's called Couples Awaken Your Love, and uh, this might save your marriage. It might transform the way you look at your spouse. Stay with me. An important conversation straight ahead. Connecting you to the truths of your Catholic faith. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester.
0: The Drew Mariani Show
2: on Relevant Radio. wow On Relevant Radio. Right now. On Relevant Radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for allowing me to spend part of my afternoon with you. It's always good to hang out. Thanks for doing that. I'm here every afternoon. If you're on the West Coast, I'm here 12 to 3, East Coast 3 to 6, 2 to 5 in the Central Time Zone. And... Online anytime you want, me you can check out our podcast or stream us, and it's always good to have you. Let me go to the phones quickly. Nick is listening to us in uh, Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Let me sneak him in before I segue to my next uh, conversation with Father Joseph Fessio. Hey, Nick. Good afternoon. Good afternoon.
3: I just uh, wanted to make a comment on the uh, uh, topic of uh, pornography, especially in my experience. Uh, I went to a uh, private Catholic university where Populus was very devout and I remember hearing a stat while I was there that uh a majority of the uh of the men there struggle with pornography, and I was one of them, so it seems to be all pervasive at least in my experience that hardly anybody seems to be exempt from the porn issue,
2: yeah, I think you look around your church you 're going to uh, see three out of four men probably struggling. With the issue, you talk to any Catholic priest, you're going to hear the same thing, and believe me, you're not you're not alone. I mean, the numbers, uh, Nick, are absolutely staggering. I think it's a, a not just an epidemic, but a pandemic, uh, not just in this country, around the world, uh, a spiritual one, and the repercussions from it are deep. Uh, pornography is just making huge inroads, and our kids are being exposed to it younger and younger. I, I remember seeing some stats. I remember seeing that. Um, and it, they're probably old stats if I recall them. That you know, this was like a twelve billion dollar industry. It's probably much more than that today, just in the U.S. alone. That's just in the U.S. twelve billion dollars, right? If you think about that, that's more than all the major sports leagues combined. All the you know revenues of ABC, NBC, and CBS. It's it's uh, worldwide. It's about fifty-seven billion dollars, and three billion of that goes into child pornography. So it's a it's a, a global sickness. It's a global pandemic right now and it's destroying lives, it's destroying marriages and of course it's a poison to the soul. The, the good news for any man or woman because the numbers of women using pornography is on the rise as well, which is surprising. I always thought this would be a more of a visual thing, but no, uh, women using it's on the rise. It's a whole other conversation though. Uh, the good news is that there's help and there's 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 freedom from it. Uh, if you are struggling, we have the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And Nick, I know you know that better than anybody. But gentlemen, if you've been away from the sacrament, I I encourage you to go back. This is one of the great tools of the evil one. This is one of the ways he puts his snares, his hooks deep into you, and he keeps you trapped. Uh, You'll find freedom and liberty and healing, and you'll get a special grace in that sacrament to rise above this type of temptation. You might think, I'll never be able to get free of it. You don't understand how addicted I am to it. I need it. Uh, There is healing. And if you really feel that way, I'm going to give you the name of of a... Site that I think is phenomenal. There's a bunch of them out there. You can do your own search. We had a guest on a few, about probably about a half an hour ago from Reclaim Sexual Health. Uh, there's a man there who struggled with it personally. They're looking at the brain science behind this. They've been able to help more people than you can imagine. So Reclaim Sexual Health. Check it out. Go to that website. Get the info. Uh, get, most of all, uh, approach this spiritually as well. Uh, you know, make sure that there's accountability. And then get to get to church and ask God for forgiveness. Um, you know, on the internet, there were what there were something like 4.2 million porn sites, 375 million porn pages. I mean, the numbers are, are is probably even higher. Those are the numbers I remember from. From years ago, just big, big numbers. Um, more searches for pornography probably than anything else on the internet. So um, it's the challenge of our day. And, and Nick, you said you came from Steubenville, great university, right? You know, and like I said you're not alone. Go to your Catholic church. You're going to see a lot of men uh, in those pews who probably struggled with it just that week. So, but uh, don't beat yourself up. Help and healing out there for anyone. That's there. one quick thing, and then I'm, I'm going to change gear. Uh, advice from the saints, right? Uh, you often turn to the saints to find that healing. Yes, you know, uh, many of the saints struggled with with lust, and how did they they rise, uh, you know, rise above it? Um, you know, John Paul II he once said that that only the chaste man and the chaste woman are capable of true love. And I think that is just so true. That's why we see this attack on marriage. That's why we see the divorce rate where it is today. That's why we see the dysfunction in the culture today. Uh, There's no question about it in my mind. Uh, You know, whenever you're tempted to sin, I don't think you're going to find any better aid than Christ and his mother. Christ is able to sympathize with your weakness because... You know, Christ was tested in every way, yet without sin, right? That's what uh, Scripture tells us. Mary was conceived without the stain of sin. She's full of grace. She offers her pure heart and prayers to anyone in need. Call upon her intercession. We talked about the holy name of Jesus yesterday. There's nothing more powerful than the name of of Jesus, you know? Look, we can go on. I I don't want to belabor the point. You get it. Call upon the saints. Tap into the sacraments uh, and know that this is not greater than God, and it's certainly not greater than you that there is a there's always a new opportunity and a new beginning i i want to talk about just one other issue if we could quickly and that's about couples awakening their love and there's a book out i want to get you plugged into it um you know we talked just a few minutes ago about the the number of attacks at marriage and, and and you know family life are undergoing the question is how do you strengthen that marriage you know, maybe gentlemen, you are using pornography. Ladies, I, I shared the story of, uh, of a woman who wrote to me last night in tears, six pregnant with her six kids, uh, with her six child and her husband's going to strip clubs. You know, that's also, I'm sure, driven by pornography. You know, how do you strengthen a marriage where there's dysfunction? You know, how, how do you strengthen your marriage so that you can stand against the attacks that the evil one has? That's the part that takes a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, and it's the part where a lot of people crumble under the onslaught of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, Cardinal Robert Sarah, he's the former head of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the, the Discipline of the Sacraments. Uh, he understands what's happening. A couple of years ago, he gave a retreat to married couples who belonged to, uh, I believe it was the European Institute for Family, and the spiritual insights he provided on marriage in that retreat they were so great that people said, "You got to publish this. You got to publish it." So uh, Cardinal Serran, you know, he's from uh, he's from Africa, and he as a he was, he was, he's got a very practical way about him. So, uh, along with the spiritual or theological insights that he gave, he also put together a workbook for couples, including a guide for praying together every day of the week. And you know, if you pray together as a couple, I'll tell you what there, there's a, I don't know, there's a there's a there's a protection that comes with that. There's a power in your prayer. He, he also took some insights from modern psychology about how couples can communicate with each other and, and just build a very practical you know, way for you to carry all this out. I, I want to get you in touch with that. I think it's a great work, especially if your marriage needs strength. Maybe you got a good marriage and you want it to grow a little bit deeper. Um, I'm going to get you plugged into uh, a wonderful, wonderful book, which is being published by Ignatius Press. It's called Couples Awaken your love. Now, you know, sometimes this communication can be on very sensitive and touchy subjects that married couples have, and uh, it's, you know those things aren't just left standing alone. Um, he provides a guide to praying through those those challenges, so God's grace can be present. Um, again, God, couples awaken your love by Ignatius Press, and I'm joined today by. Uh, Father Joseph Fessio, he's been a long-time friend of this show. I've known him from the very first days of my radio career, and he's been a champion of promoting truth and getting these types of works into the hands of, of so many of the faithful. And it's good to have him with me today. Father, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. Same
3: to you, uh, Drew. Uh, great to be on your show again and see you're still out there fighting the good fight. But I'm I'm 81 next, next Monday, so you must be getting kind of old, too, because a long time <laughs> ago that— uh, I was on your show there there
2: in Pennsylvania. You and I, you and I, Father, go back to Catholic Family Radio back in 1999, 1998. I don't even know when that began. When did that start? I don't remember. Yeah, it was
3: 1997, we had the idea. 1998, we started it. 1999, it kind of got off the ground. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think I joined you in 99 or 98. and, And that was the beginning of kind of my Catholic broadcasting career there. So, uh, I've always appreciated your vision and what you do. And, I, and I'm grateful for this book. Let's talk about this for a moment because I talked about a lot of sexual ethics. The Pillar did this great study on religion and the sex recession. We've talked about men getting vasectomies out of love today. We've talked about pornography and cohabitation. I figure, well, why not talk about this as well, give people some hope and help and some direction. How did you come across the book? Because I understand it was originally published in French.
3: It was because he's a French-speaking African cardinal in uh, Fayard, which is a secular... Publisher in France publishes many of his books. And so we're always in touch with him. uh, And we heard about it. We decided to publish it. Uh, I want to interject something, Drew. I was kind of listening to the few minutes leading up to our conversation here. And if you're talking about pornography and the problem that it is, no question about that. It is growing, as you said. Uh, But I thought as I was listening to you, uh, this book is part of the answer. You know, the. Mm if we don't have strong marriages and strong families, then pornography is going to be, have a much easier victim to attack because, and and there's a part two of this book is called Christian spouses facing the challenges of our era. And he's got a couple of chapters there, the good fight for the family and the spiritual combat is a martyr. And the final chapter is the future of humanity passes through the family. So, you know, we can't fight all of us the war on all fronts, but I think God has called different groups, different persons, different individuals, different priests, different lay people to fight the fight in a particular place. And so, I do think that what we can do to help especially young couples have a stronger marriage and a stronger family that and have children that's another thing important uh, that's going to be our best hope, it seems to me. I've often said. Drew because I'm, I'm basically kind of lazy and I, 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 I mean I, I work long hours but I work slowly and I only do what I like to do mainly. Uh, but I don't I don't want to spend my time trying to convert uh, confirmed liberals. you know I'm not going to mention names here. We got some here in California as you may know, in the public sure. public sphere. Well, but yes. young people, children, you know, they're impressionable and they're open to the truth. They're not warped yet. And so if we have good families, good children, we can at least have a core, have a core for the future. And, you know, uh, there's a great article that Ratzinger wrote in 1958 when he was just a professor uh, on this idea of, of the narrow gate. And one of the things he said is that just as Jesus was the only purely holy one who came to save the rest of us who were all sinners. Even Mary was preserved from sin, but she was from a sinful race or unraced. So he was He was the one. We were the many. He came for the many. Yeah. And we, as Christians following him, we're called to be the one amidst the many. It's like the ten lepers who got cleansed, and only one came back. Where are the other nine. Well, the one who came back, he came back and gave thanks for the other nine. And so, we have to not only try and strengthen our own community, and our own family, and our own church, our parish, but we are there for the sake of those who aren't there. And who knows how workings of grace, you know, penetrate the world in subterranean ways. But we have to do our part. What you're doing, Drew, it's great, and we're trying yeah. to do it in Asia Press. And
2: right.
3: look, I, I'm what, hey, Drew? I'm getting old now, so you know we wander, talk a lot. <laughs> Yeah, love, i love, love it you. hey uh,
2: you're on point uh father you are oh, certainly okay. on point my guest today what? father joseph fessio and of course you can join us as well father let's get let's talk about the book too at the very beginning of it he talks oh, sure. uh, he compares marriage to uh, a precious chalice yeah used used to hold the blood of christ at mass i thought that was such a beautiful way of uh he, of articulating he, it he, And maybe you can expand on that
3: well i mean You have to read the book to expand on it, Drew. That's the point of this thing, you know. But uh, no, uh, uh, but the whole point is a chalice is something which is offered to God, and and marriage is a chalice where the couple unite together, but they're meant to offer themselves and their family to God. But I want to say a word about this, you know, this Carl Sera. He was born in, in a little town, a village actually, in Guinea, East Africa, and his parents were pagans. Uh, but there were some Irish Holy Ghost Fathers that came and started a school, way out in the middle of nowhere. But all these people knew that they left civilization that they knew and loved, their homeland, to take care of others. And that impressed him. And his parents became Catholic. And then he made his first communion. But he was so impressed by these priests, he would see them praying. He'd go by the school or go by the church. He'd be walking praying the breviary. He'd see him in the chapel saying mass. And that's the led his vocation. This little barefoot African boy eventually had a brilliant education, which made bishop and archbishop and then cardinal. And he is incredible, the, the, the powerful intellect that he has, and his concrete down-to-earth. These Africans, you know, they're close to the earth, and that's a good thing. Uh, in fact, by the way, you know we have one bishops conference in the United States, right? In Africa, there are 51, wow, 51 yeah. business conferences. So it's a it's a huge country, and I believe a lot of the future of the church is coming from Africa. Carl Lorenze, Carl Turkson, Carl Serra, these are, are bellwethers, you know, of, of a good future. Well, I was yeah, also yeah. going to say, uh, Drew, that, you know, some people may get Discouraged by the pornography, what's happening in politics, the pandemic, uh, world situation, right. I believe I'm 80 years old now, going on 81. That the church in the United States is one of the strongest churches in the world. Not Africa is probably stronger, but when you look at things like your radio show, and yep. when we started Catholic Family Radio, there are only two stations in this country that were owned by Catholics producing Catholic programming. We had stations owned by like University of San Francisco, Catholic university that played Korean news and jazz, but only two stations in the country were broadcasting Catholic material. Now there are more than 600, more than 600. I mean, that, that's amazing. You look at the blog, you look at the pro-life groups, you look at younger priests now and seminarians, John Paul II seminaries, Benedict XVI. I mean, really with all the problems we have in this country, we have, I think, a great sign of Another thing is, you are the Chesson Academies? I mean, oh, yeah. Dale Alquist, yeah. you know, he started. There's 40 Cheston Academies now this year. 40.
2: They're high schools, you know, Catholic high schools. One of them is in Iraq. Yeah, well, Anyway, I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> sorry, Drew, no, I'm kinda no, no, I, talk, Father, but, I, I love it. And I'll tell you what, hold the thought, because I have to take a short break. When we come back, we will talk a little bit more. My guest today, Father Joseph Fessio, talking about a new book out by Cardinal Sarah. Ignatius Press is publishing it. It's called Couples, Awaken Your Love. It it is a good read. I think it can really help your relationships. Gives a lot of solutions that can help strengthen your marriage. If you're looking for something a little bit different, this might be the solution. I'm going to take a short break, but I will be back in just a minute or two. So stay with us. Our conversation continues right after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester.
0: You'll get some real Catholic answers right here. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio.
2: It's good to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for just allowing me to be part of your afternoon, trying to always give you a look at life you won't find anywhere else. And of course, uh, Today, I, if you missed part of the conversation, I would encourage you to go back to our uh, our podcast. You go to RelevantRadio.com where podcasts are heard. And we talked about really the attack on marriage and family today. And, and so often in the great deceptive nature of the evil one, he makes it look like it's a good. Uh, men across America getting vas- vasectomies as an act of love. Why is this on the rise? Elon Musk and others saying, oh, we have to do it because we're going to save the planet, right? Uh, yesterday was divorce day. And we talked a little bit about marriage and cohabitation and and some fascinating stats and, and data on, on you know, the faith and what some are calling this a sex recession. Uh, and then, of course, today we've invited Father Joseph Fessio to join us. And there is a book out that I think will be edifying to you. It kind of gives answers to all these things that we are talking about. It's called Couples Awaken Your Love, published by Ignatius Press. You can check it out there. And <laughs> I always uh, Father uh, makes me think Father Fessio uh, joins me today. He's uh, uh, he's, he's uh, just a wonderful priest who I've known for years and the founder of this wonderful g- organization Ignatius Press. I think it's Sister Lucio de Santos. I quoted it a little bit earlier where you know she told Cardinal Kafara in an interview that the final confrontation. You know, Satan's final confrontation will be over marriage and and, uh, and, and life, uh, or, or uh, yeah, marriage and family. And, and ultimately, we're seeing that right now. Um, I, I love your take on that. There's a lot of calls for sacrifice. A lot of couples simply don't want to make that sacrifice. So l- let's talk about what we're seeing in terms of what's required both within the marriage and then spiritually what we're seeing happening today at this particular time. All right. Well,
3: you 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 mentioned the fact that the uh, the attack will be against marriage and family. I mean, think about it. The very first words in sacred scripture that God addresses to the human beings He's created is a command: be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And if you don't believe in the devil, and you had to invent one, why you invent someone? Who would be opposite that? The, the, the anti-God commandment, right? Would be would be, don't yeah. be fruitful, don't multiply, don't fill the earth. Well, do you hear that around today? Of mm-hmm. course, don't be fruitful, contraception, don't mm-hmm. multiply, yeah. abortion, don't fill the earth. You know, one-child policy or, or whatever it might be. I mean, this is true It's demonic. I mean, this is this is more than human powers we're fighting against here. It, it's an attack against God and God's original order of creation.
2: Yeah, I could not agree with you more, Father. I, I really couldn't. Well, look, final thoughts for you, because I only have a couple moments left here. Um, what advice would you give to those who are listening, and, and what's the best way to get a hold of the book?
3: Well, I would say the, my best advice is buy all our books. They're, they're good books, <laughs> you know, and it, it's great to listen to the radio, especially if you're driving to work or something like that, or you're doing the ironing or, or something, but we ought to spend some time actually reading good books. Uh, It allows you to go a little deeper and to pause and ponder it more. So the the first place to go to for good Catholic books is your local Catholic bookstore, if you have one. And if you try and see if you got one, because you want to support those people. These are good people. They're not making a lot of money. They're in it for the the love of the Lord. So your Catholic bookstore, if you you can't find one nearby, Ignatius.com. You know, and avoid the behemoth. Avoid Leviathan if you can. Go to Ignatius.com. We'll give you as good a price and as good of a delivery service.
2: That's my well, advice, Drew. I love <laughs> it. Hey, Father, thank you. Before you go, would you give us your blessing? I'd be grateful for that.
3: Sure. Oh, my God, we ask a blessing all those who are listening to this show and all those that put it on, all those in Public Catholic Radio. Uh, strengthen them, help them to be the light of the world that Jesus wants them to be. Benedictio de Onopotentis, Pothetis, and Filii. The Spirit of Sunday,
2: the sinners of a in Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank that's you. A... Hey, Father. Thank you Good so talk much. Good talking, From... Drew. Always great to talk you. with you. Have a great one. All right. All right. God. God bless you. Sure. All right. That's uh, Father Fessio, of course, founder of Ignatius Press, and, and check him out. Uh, you know, I, speaking of Catholic bookstores, I, I every September uh, I, I go with some friends to Maine. And uh, this past September, you know, we stopped by a beautiful Catholic bookstore uh, there and um, I went into this place. And these people were just absolutely uh, amazing. They were literally outgunned. You know, they were, you know, there was very few Catholic bookstores at all. And yet these people um, are doing the best they can to keep the doors open. I, I'll put a plug in for them. Um, they're located in Scarborough, Maine, and I just want to send a shout-out to the Abbey. If you guys are listening, thank you for your hospitality. When I was there this summer, I went in and bought a couple little things. And, um, you know, it just... The Catholic bookstores are a dying breed. I know it's easy to dial up Amazon, right? In a heartbeat, you can do that or go online and shop, maybe even save a few dollars. But for what cost? You know, as Catholics, we believe in this principle of subsidiarity, you know? And I, I think it's important to... To support those small businesses, especially those in your community, and and thank God for them, you know? It's nice to have some brick and mortar around every once in a while, you know? I, I love what Father Fessio said. He called him Leviathan. I, can't, I, mean, I cannot speak right now. I don't know if you know, as I had mentioned earlier in the show, I'm battling COVID. So it's been a long day. I'm at the end of three hours of, of talking, and um, my my head and my tongue just don't seem to work anymore. It's been a, it's been a long day. So I'd ask your prayers for me, if you could. Uh, this morning my test results came back and I actually tested positive for for COVID-19. So uh, just pray for my protection and my healing. I I value your prayers and I need them. I need them. I'm going to be offering my suffering for you and for your intentions. I'm going to pray for you tonight as I I often spend time with the Lord later in the evening. And, um, you know, so know know that if there's a special intention, you're part of my spiritual family. I'm I'm going to lift that up and I'm going to pray for you. Hey, I want to just hit one other piece of news before we wrap it up here. I want to pray for world peace too. I mean, it's something that I think it's so critical that that we pray for. Russia's massing forces on um, the border of Ukraine. Yesterday, Iran made good on a promise that it was trying to extract revenge on the U.S. They went to, you know, they want Trump to stand trial for the killing of. Uh, General uh, Soleimani, uh, two years ago, remember when when he was assassinated by a drone. Well, the Wall Street Journal reported that two drones were actually launched against Baghdad, uh, against an airport there in in Iraq, and one of them had Soleimani's revenge written on the wing. Both of these were shot down, but Yemeni uh, rebels, they seized uh, a United Arab Emirates flagship in the Red Sea, claiming it was carrying military equipment and The Saudi said it was actually carrying medical equipment and the two Israeli newspapers were hacked by Iranians with threats of retaliation. Here's an overview of what's currently happening right now in Iran on the second anniversary of the death of General Soleimani.
1: Military commanders gathered in Tehran on the anniversary of the killing of General Qassem Soleimani, the longtime commander of Iran's Quds Force, the Iranian Revolutionary Guards branch conducting military operations abroad. The big confrontation many feared back in the day didn't materialize, but that doesn't mean Iran isn't looking for the opportunity to strike a deadly blow against U.S. forces in the region. They will not be given an opportunity for peace and revenge will continue. They must not think that this amount of revenge is enough. No, this revenge will continue. The likely place for that is neighboring Iraq, where thousands gathered at a rally in Baghdad of the Iran-backed Shiite paramilitary group, the Popular Mobilization Forces, whose deputy commander Abu Mahdi al-Mohandis was killed along with Soleimani in the strike. To show they mean business, two armed drones were fired at a compound at the Baghdad airport housing U.S. forces but were shot down on the drone was written revenge of the generals and Suleimani's revenge a warning was also launched in a different manner towards Israel revealed in recent weeks probably assisted in Suleimani's assassination Iranians hacking the website of the Jerusalem Post and Maariv Daily's with this picture of a rocket fired from Suleimani's trademark ring blowing up Israel's nuclear reactor a still from a real video of a recent Iranian drill simulating such an operation
2: it's kind of sad. I was just talking to Maggie about the fact that revenge will continue. You know, such hatred and unforgiveness in the hearts of our brothers. Let's pray uh, for unity. Let's pray for forgiveness. Let's pray for reconciliation. Let's pray that God's mercy will continue and will hold back his hand of justice. Let's pray that Russia no longer continues its build up and its military presence on the border of Ukraine. Do your part, not just to pray for your personal needs. Let's pray for the needs of others especially for the world. I'm out of time for the day. I'll be back again tomorrow to give you a look at life you won't find anywhere else. Until then, may God bless you.